Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Today is the second day of Advent. We have um, lit the love candle, and last week we lit the hope candle. But, you know, if you're like me, I grew up in the church, but I didn't grow up necessarily celebrating the actual holiday of Advent. Uh, we, this just was called Christmas time. And technically, on the church calendar, Christmas time doesn't start till Christmas Day. And then that's when the 12 days of Christmas actually start. Uh, historically. And so, but right now we're in Advent and this is, Advent is just a, a term and it comes from a Latin word and it means that something or someone of significance is coming. And who is that? We know it's Jesus, right? The Messiah, the Christ. And so every single year we re-enter this story of the first Advent and we remember the events that culminated into the first coming of our Savior And we celebrate all that God did in that time 2,000 years ago. And we remember that now we're living in a time of a different Advent season, right? As we're waiting for his second coming, praise God, the second coming of the Messiah. And I just, I look at the world around us and I go, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. As we have tornadoes ripping through Middle Tennessee last night, yesterday. Six people lost their lives, and some people lost their homes, and 20 people ended up in the hospital injured. And I see things like that happening, and I'm thinking, I can't, Jesus, come quickly. And I, and I see things like, you know, laws passing in California that are going to make toy stories, or to, toy stores have gender-neutral aisles for toys. And I think, Lord, come quickly. And, and, I, and I think of, of all these different things going on in the world, and I can't wait for the second coming of Jesus. Not just so that we can escape, but so that he can come and he can right every wrong. Amen? And until then, he's called us to stand and continue to build and establish his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're doing. And so, like I said, last week we lit the hope candle. Today we lit the love candle. And as we light each of these candles on the Advent wreath, we are reminded of the the increasing brightness that Jesus' presence brings to each and every one of our lives. this, This tradition of Advent in the church is a rich tradition. And we've been observing it at least since mid fifth century. That's what we know. And in our sacred traditions, they're important because they remind us of the truth of who God is. And they remind us of the truth of who he has called us to be as his children. And they remind us also of what he has done and what he will do. And so no matter what the traditions are, we've got to be careful not to glorify the acts of the traditions over the truth of why we have them in the first place, right? If you elevate the what over the why, then whatever it is that you're doing, those things can just become rote. They they become boring. They become meaningless. And a lot of people that grew up in the church had these kinds of traditions, and they were never really emphasized the why behind the what, And so for a lot of people, they just were boring and they were meaningless and they didn't know. But if you remember the why behind the what, you don't want to give it up because it's reminding you of these great truths. And sometimes tradition itself can become an idol. But whether it's Advent or Christmas or Easter or Pentecost or any other tradition, we've got to be purposeful that we must always elevate the why over the what. Traditions are supposed to be about legacy, which is what we've been talking about the last few weeks, leaving a legacy. The best traditions are about something significant that happened, and then you purposely and intentionally create a rhythm to perpetuate the impact of that significance. 
That's what Advent is. That's what Christmas is. That's what Easter is. That's what Pentecost is and all these things. And, and, and so we're, we're, we're leaving a legacy with these things. And legacy is about making a difference that outlives us for the glory of God. And as so we celebrate the second Sunday of Advent, it's significant, again, that we've been talking about these things. Because Advent is about Jesus. And we're here today as a product of Jesus' legacy. And we are continuing Jesus' legacy. And, and I just want to say this, side note, if, if you want to leave a legacy, if you want to make a difference that outlives you for the glory of God, can I give you just one easy way to do this? Work with kids. Work with children. Seriously, this is like low-hanging fruit. This is an easy win. Nearly every single one of us can do this. Maybe not every single one of us, but nearly every single one of us can work with children and pour into their lives. If you are a parent of a child who's being ministered to right now in Seeds Kids, or if you're just here and you say, I want to make an impact, talk to Kirby. Talk to Amber. Talk to them about getting onto their teams and serving just at least once a month, once a month, 12 times a year. And you can help make a difference, an eternal difference in the life of a child that outlives you for the glory of God. That's incredible. So, again, it's easy. It's an easy legacy win for each and every one of us. I invite you to stand with me, please, this morning. We're going to honor the Word of God. We're going to read it together. The, the passage that I have originally had for this morning is the exact same passage that we read last week, Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. But uh, this morning, as I was just kind of doing some of just my own Bible reading, um, not studying for this message, I came across an additional passage, which we will not have on the screen. But if you want to, go ahead and open up your Bibles uh, to 1 Timothy 6. We're going to read this first, verse 17. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, um, bring it with you next time. Take it with you wherever you go. But you can watch this or read this aloud with me on the screen. And then we're going to flip over to Philippians chapter 1. We won't have that verse on the screen. But if you've got your Bible, you can read it with me. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, I invite you to read with me aloud. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let's read that last part again. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. All right, now if we go to Philippians chapter 1. And in verse 27, I'll read this, and then you can listen to this. Philippians 1, 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then... Whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in the struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask you now, as we're kind of in these last few Sundays of 2023, I pray that you would help us finish well. Help us finish with our minds centered on you and your word, 
with, with an ear that's pointed toward heaven to hear the voice of your spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live on the inside of us and that you guide us and you lead us into all truth. Lord, I pray that we would not be uh, swept up and taken up into the, the matters and the concerns of this present world, but Lord, we would have our minds and our hearts set on the coming age. Lord, help us invest into the coming age. And help us to have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us today in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. We've been talking about leaving a legacy. Last week we talked about our motivation for leaving a legacy, and that's eternity. Why should you be concerned with leaving a legacy? because of what we just read in 1 Timothy chapter 6 there. We want to, what did Paul say? Take hold of the life that is truly life. And what did he say in, in Philippians? He says, we're not citizens here of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. So we want to do this. And Hebrews 11 tells us that eternity is our home. Not here. Not now. Life is a mist, it's a vapor, it's a puff. It's here today and gone in the next moment. And what matters most in this world during our time here is not that we just invest everything into the tiny dot of our existence on the timeline of history, but that we invest our lives and we invest ourselves into the coming age, the, the timeline that will go on and on and on and on beyond our 80 years here on this earth or what, however many years that we get. So many people are only living for the here and now. So many people are only concerned with, what do I have? What do I look like? What's my portfolio? What's in my bank account? You know, what, what kind of thing am I going to drive? How do I dress? Where am I going to live? They're investing so much into the dot and they neglect the, not, the line of eternity, the infinite line. But what makes the most sense is that we would invest our lives not in just to this tiny little dot not just in the temporary here and now, but into the coming age, the things that will outlive and outlast us for the glory of God. Amen? Now, some might say, well, I don't have much at my disposal to invest. My education is limited. My resources are limited. My influence is limited. My past is messed up. I don't think I can make a difference in the world. Listen, I want to say this to every one of us. You may not be able to make a difference in the world, but every single one of us can make a difference in your world, the world around you. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your resources are today. It doesn't matter what your limitations are physically. God has given you something to make a difference that outlives you for the glory of God for all of eternity. You can make a difference in the world around you. Jude tells us that to make an eternal difference, all you need to do is show mercy. Can you do that? So it's, it's not about how much you have. It's about what you do with what you have. And the truth is, is that if we're going to make a difference in our world, God will use us together to make a difference in the world. Together, we can accomplish so much more, exponentially more together than we can off by ourselves. If we're all making a difference in our world, it will make an impact on the world. That's the power of we over me. So, so what I want to do today is, is give you some tools. How many of you guys like tools? Yes, every, yes, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> kind of tap down into my inner Tim, the tool man, Taylor there. We all like tools. Tools are good. But you know, if you just leave your tools on your bench or in your tool, tool belt or in your tool chest and you never get them out, then they're just expensive paperweights. You've got to get them out and use them in order for them to, to do anything, in order for them to be good for anything, Right? And so that's what we want to do. We don't want to be like James. James says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only, right? We don't want to just leave the tools in the shed or in the garage. We want to get it out, get out and do something with it. 
And so you've, you've got to, to just not talk the talk, but you've got to walk the walk. You've got to have actions. It does no good for you to hear God's word, for us to talk about how our lives fit within the context of the word of God, but then not go out of here and do anything with it. It does no good. And if you don't do anything, James says that it's actually worse for you. Because in James chapter 2, 17, he says that faith without works is dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be deceived and have a dead faith. I want to be a doer. And I want to be a man who has a live kind of faith, not dead kind of faith. So what are we going to do? We're going to grab the tools and start building a legacy. Amen? All right. We're going to, we've got a lot of tools to give you this morning. All right? So some of you are like, yes. Is it DeWalt or Milwaukee? You know, I'm, anyway. Both favorites. All right. If you're going to build a legacy, the first tool that you're going to need is this. This is, might catch you off guard a little bit, but you're going to need a good attitude and a sense of humor. <laughs> you do. If you're going to build a legacy, if you're going to leave a legacy, you're going to need a good attitude and you're going to need a sense of humor. What a great thing for Christians to have, right? For believers in Jesus to have good attitudes and a good sense of humor. And, and I'm not just talking about knowing how to tell a good joke. Listen, I know some guys in my life who know how to tell a good joke. Jamie's dad is a joke teller. And man, he, he, I would say he's a great joke teller. I wouldn't say that necessarily, but he tells a lot of jokes that, you know, it's like the percentages just kind of, you know, you, if you tell enough of them, you're going to have some good ones in there from time to time. You know, our, Jamie's dad tells a joke and halfway through it, he just starts laughing because he's like just tickled because he knows what the punchline is. It's coming. And we're just like, we're laughing too, but we're laughing at him more than we are at the joke. But I'm talking about having even the ability to laugh at yourself. Yeah. Learn to laugh at yourself instead of being upset with people all the time. Learn to laugh it off. Yep. You know, let it. sometimes things happen, and sometimes you're just going to let those things roll off of you like water off a duck's back. You just go, well, okay, all right, well, we're going to keep moving forward. People are funny. If you don't believe me, look in the mirror. If you still don't believe me, turn to the person next to you and look at them. People are funny. <laughs> Proverbs 17, 22 says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. When you're going through life and you're, and you're doing what you can to sow seeds of legacy, sometimes things are going to ha happen and they're not going to be pleasant. And they're going to be difficult. And they're going to be hard. And adversity is going to come. So you've got to learn to maintain, which means on purpose that you're doing this. Maintain a merry heart. It will do you good to have a sense of humor. The another tool that you're gonna need in your belt if you're gonna build a legacy is that you need a compelling dream. You need a compelling dream. And there's some things I'm gonna have to say about this here. A compelling dream is, is something that will lift you out of yourself into something greater than yourself. Some, some people have big dreams and they're afraid to share them with anyone because they're afraid that if I say this dream out loud to someone, they'll scoff at me. They'll make fun of me. They won't encourage me. They'll discourage me. But here's the deal. If you know that it's not your dream, but it's God's dream, then faith rises up on the inside of you. And, and now you're willing to give everything that you have and to give everything that you are towards that dream. And you're even willing to die for that dream if you know it's God's dream and not just your dream. But J.D., how do I know if it's God's dream or if it's just my own? How do I know the difference? There's a few different ways, but you could start with asking yourself the question, is this dream bigger than me? Is it so big that if it, if it were to come true and if it were to happen, that everybody would know, well, this wasn't because of JD. This was because of God. At the end of the day, who gets the glory for the dream? 
Do you get the glory or does the Lord get the glory? Another way that can help you realize whether or not if it's God's dream or your dream is if, if whether or not you can't let it go. Can you let it go? Can you not let it go? See, sometimes dreams can be elusive. When you first get a dream, you hold on to it tenaciously, but over time, it can be easy to let it go. But if it's God's dream, it won't let go of you. Discouragement may come. Naysayers may come. People might say, we, we can't afford that. Or we've never done it that way before. But if it's a God dream, then you feed the dream and it gets stronger. And, and then you starve the voice of the naysayers and they fade into the background. Something else that's important with every God dream is timing. God dreams don't happen overnight. If they did, it would require no faith. It would require no perseverance and no endurance. It would require no fruit of the Spirit. Right? Sometimes the timing and delay can be the thing that makes the dream give you the most heartache, <laughs> the most heartburn. But remember... What God spoke to the prophet Habakkuk, he said this, Habakkuk chapter 2, he says, For the vision is for an appointed time. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. If it is a God dream, it won't let go of you. Some of us, we've been praying and we've been waiting on God for dreams that he's given to us for decades. For what seems like a lifetime for some of us. And these things still haven't come to pass or they haven't come to full fruition. And it seems unsufferable at times. You need to rest in this. You need to rest in that on the day that you stand before the Lord in the judgment seat of Christ. And you have to answer the question, what did you do with what I gave you? You're not going to be required to answer for something that you haven't been given. You answer for the opportunities that were given to you. You answer for the faith that you exercised. You answer for what you did with the talents and the resources that were given to you. At the end of your life, if your dream never becomes fully realized, that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a God dream. God gives us dreams sometimes it's not just your dream, it's a collective dream, and it's his dream. It's not your dream, it's his. And so as you're working toward the fulfillment of that dream, as you're praying toward the fulfillment of that dream, just because you're not seeing the needle move like you think it should move, doesn't mean it's not moving in the eternal spiritual realm. We're called to sow seeds. We're called to water them. It's the Lord that causes things to grow. In the scriptures, this is Daniel's legacy. Daniel's legacy could be found in his prayer life. We all, you know, if you know the story of Daniel, you think about the lion's den, and you think about his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you think about, you know, the, the hand that appeared on the wall and you think about all these things, but, but Daniel's legacy is really found in his prayer life. His prayer life was consistent and persistent. He constantly was in prayer, and he persisted in the place of prayer. What made Daniel's prayer life so remarkable is that he knew that this dream, this God dream of one day, the city of Jerusalem being rebuilt he knew that it would not be fulfilled during his lifetime. But yet, he prayed every day. He prayed toward in the direction of the city that he knew that I'm never gonna see this with my own physical eyes, but this is the, the dream of God that he's placed on the inside of me, and I'm gonna continue to pray for it. He didn't, he's never gonna see it with his physical eyes, but he's gonna see it with his spiritual eyes. Daniel never stopped dreaming. He never stopped praying. 
He knew that his prayers wouldn't be answered for 70 years, but yet he prayed with urgency about something that didn't seem urgent. Didn't seem urgent to anyone else, but yet he prayed with that spirit of urgency on the inside of him. That's a legacy. What you want to be able to do is stand before Jesus someday and say, I did everything that I could to see your dream become a reality. I prayed. I believe. I worked. I gave. I served. I walked through every door that the Holy Spirit opened for me, every door of opportunity. And if you can say that, then you don't need to worry about not living up to God's dream for your life. You can have rest. You, you can have peace, but in the meantime, you keep dreaming and you keep praying and you keep believing and you keep working toward it. The third tool that you need in order to build a legacy is that you need to make every day a masterpiece. Make every day a masterpiece. Approach every single day. Like, this is a new day, it's a blank canvas. I get to make some marks on today. Every single day we have the opportunity to paint a masterpiece by the way that we serve others. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says that we are God's masterpiece, right? For he created us anew in Christ Jesus for what? To do good things, to do good works that he planned long ago. So God has already made you into a masterpiece. Now you go and make the day into a masterpiece. You take every single opportunity, every single day to make a masterpiece by doing the things that he planned for you long ago, by loving others, by serving others. Lamentations chapter three tells us that there is a new opportunity every single day for God's mercy and his faithfulness and his goodness. Every single day, those things abound. Every single day it abounds to you so that it can abound through you. Make a masterpiece. Another tool that you need to build a legacy, to make a difference that outlives you for the glory of God, is that each and every one of us, we need to learn how to enjoy the journey. And if there's anybody I'm preaching to today, it's myself. <laughs> Sometimes I get so worked up about accomplishing tasks towards the dream. Got to do this, got to do that. Go to the next thing. And I'm not enjoying the ride enough. You know, the, you, we've all heard this. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. The joy is not just in the destination, it's also in the journey. Jamie kindly reminds me from time to time. I'll be next to her and she'll elbow me. I said, what? She goes, are you okay? Are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. She goes, well, tell your face. <laughs> I got to tell my face to enjoy the journey. <laughs> See, I got a dream to build the kingdom of God. To see the, the culture of God's kingdom be established here and be prevalent here in Middle Tennessee as it is in heaven. And, and I have a dream that God would use this church for his glory. And I would have a dream that God would use me and my family for his glory. And, and, and I don't have to go after that dream at the expense of losing my own soul. I don't have to go after the dream at the expense of losing joy. I don't have to go after the dream at the expense of losing my family. I, you know, there's times where I, we take intentional times and we say this time is sacred so that we can just, I can enjoy time with my wife. Or there's a lot of great things going on that I could say yes to, but I say, no, I'm just gonna have to put a pin in that. Can't say yes to that right now. I'm going to be in my daughter's ball game on a Thursday night. And when I'm there, I'm the loudest person there cheering. And if you've ever sat next to me at a ball game, you know that I'm not lying. It's so loud that it embarrasses her. As Christians, though, one of our mottos ought to be this. Pray 
as if everything depends on God. Work as if everything depends on you. In the sense of, we're going to work hard, right? We're not going to be lazy. So pray as if everything depends on God. Work as if everything depends on you. And have fun along the way. Enjoy the journey. If you're going to build a legacy, another tool that you need is knowing that this right here, that whatever you want out of life, you've got to give that away. Whatever it is that you want out of life, you've got to give it away. This is a universal law that God put into motion. If you want apples, what do you have to do? Some of you, some of the teenagers are going, go to the grocery store, go to Publix. No. (laughs) If you want apples, what do you have to do? You have to plant what kind of seed? An apple seed, right. Because if that's what I want, that's what I've got to give. If you want to gain muscle, what do you have to do? You have to lift weights and you have to have resistance. Make those muscles work for it, right? This is God's law of sowing and reaping, investing into something, and there's a return of some kind. And sometimes we invest into things and we don't necessarily see the the return in the physical realm, but there is going to be a return in the spiritual realm. Galatians chapter 6, Paul says this. This is up there on the screen. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh means basically the one who sows in selfishness. The one who sows in selfishness will from selfishness reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in the due time, at the right time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen? You know, this is the season... Tis the season to watch Christmas movies, isn't it? We, we, you know, since Thanksgiving, we've, you know, anytime the television is on and it's not like basketball on the television, we, it's kind of like, well, what Christmas movie are we going to throw up there? And I think it was the Sunday night of last week. It was several days ago. Could have been that, that night. We threw on one of the versions of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And it, and it was like, we're watching this movie, and it's a story that I've seen a hundred times in all these different versions. But as we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, man, this, for some reason, this story is hitting me differently than it's hit before. I mean, we all know the, the, the story, right? You've got Scrooge, who is this miserable and miserly old man, right? And on... The evening of Christmas Eve, he's visited by his former deceased business partner, Jacob Marley, who warns him that if he continues down uh, the path of greed and a path of selfishness, that this is not going to, it's not, things are not going to turn out well for you. And he's telling him that things are not going to turn out well for you in the afterlife, And then these three ghosts visit Scrooge on the evening and through the night of Christmas Eve, the ghosts of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And the ghost of Christmas yet to come, he presents to Scrooge a bleak future where Scrooge's death is met with indifference. And his riches, everything that he's worked for his entire life, that means nothing anymore. It's plundered. And there's nothing really to show for his life. And Scrooge sees now the trajectory of his legacy. And he sees it and he says, I don't like where this is going. 
and it sparks this profound change within him. And he wakes up on Christmas morning with a new vision for his life. And he's going to change his ways, and he's going to make a difference and an impact people in such a way that it's not motivated out of selfishness. He's not sowing to the flesh, but he's going to make a difference that outlives him. A Christmas Carol, you're going to watch this movie probably here in the next couple of weeks sometime if you haven't already. This is about a man who, who realize, he realizes that whatever he wants out of life, then that's the thing he's got to give away. It's a powerful story about a man who changes the course of his legacy. I want to be the kind of person. I want us to be the kind of people who are generous, that it changes the lives of those around us. Like, well, I don't have the same kind of resources as Scrooge. It's not about that. It's not about how much you have. It's about what you do with what you have. If you're going to build a legacy, another tool that you need, you need to resolve this right here, that I'm going to serve my generation. I'm going to serve my generation. Now, when I say generation, I'm talking, I'm using that word generation in the, in the biblical and the historical sense. You know, when we use the word generation now, we talk about, you know, well, there's the boomers and then the Gen Xers and the millennials and then Gen Z and now Gen Alpha. I'm not talking about, you know, if you're a boomer, serve just boomers or if you're Gen Xer, just serve Gen Xers or so on and so forth. What I'm talking about in the more biblical and historical sense, when you talk about serve your generation or a generation, you're talking about everyone who's alive at the same time that you're alive. You just take all the demographics and you throw them into one pot and that's the generation. That's the generation that's here on earth with me today. Everyone who's breathing right now, you're part of my generation. And if I want to leave a legacy that I want to need to serve my generation. Psalm 100, verse 5 says, The Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. How is God's faithfulness going to be known to all generations and the generations that come, from, come behind us after we're, we've gone from this earth? One of the ways God's faithfulness is going to be known from generation to generation is by what I believe Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. He said this in verse 43, whoever wants to become great among you must serve the rest of you like a servant. Whoever wants to become the first among you must serve all of you like a slave. In the same way, the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many people. Jesus didn't say, just serve the people that are like you. Just serve the people that you like. No, he said, serve everybody. And we need to resolve to serve not just the ones that it's easy for us to serve. And there are. There are people that are very easy for us to, to be nice to and to be kind to and to serve and to be selfless towards. But we've got to be willing to serve whoever crosses our path. Which leads to this last tool that I want to give to you before we get out of here this morning. If you want to build a legacy, then you've got to enlarge your circle of love. Sometimes... Our circles are so little. It's like us four, no more. I'm good. And if we aren't aware, and if we're not intentional, we will exclude people outside of our ability to love. Now, you don't have the ability to love every single person on this planet. You're not going to meet every single person on this planet. But every single person that you do come in contact with, can you go, can I show love to them? I was talking to someone once about, you know, it's not any accident that, that God placed you in this church. It's not by happenstance. 
it, it's really not even your idea. It was God's idea for him to bring you and to be part of the Seeds family. He's brought you to this church on purpose, and he's brought you to this church for a purpose. And as we were talking through some difficult things that were happening at the moment, I just reassured this guy. I said, hey, you have my number. You can call me. Whatever time of day, in the middle of the night, at weird hour, if I don't get back with you right away, I'll call you back. But you have my number. Reach out to me. You don't have to do this alone. And then I said, and not only do you have my number, but you need the number of some other men in this church. Not just mine, but you need to enlarge your circle. And you have personal responsibility to lean into this community. Some people come in and they're like, well, I just, I'm just not feeling it. Okay, well, great. How long have you been here? Well, like three weeks. Okay, how many people have you talked to? One, you know. Or some people are this. How long have you been here? A year. Oh, you've been here for a year? And you still don't feel like you're a part? I'm so sorry. What, what team are you serving on? Oh, I don't serve anywhere. Oh, okay. What life group are you a part of? Oh, I'm not part of a life group. Oh, okay. So you're not really leaning into the community. You, you, you are attending, but you're not, you've not really enlarged, intentionally enlarged your circle and let people in. See, we have personal responsibility. And now I want to say that, and I want to say this to all of us, and we have, have responsibility as well. The community, the family has a responsibility also to enlarge our circle of love. And listen, when I say that, I'm not talking about the world's messed up definition of what it, you know, their, their, their messed up sense of what love is. I'm talking about God's perfect sense of love. And, and I'm so glad that God didn't shut me out of his circle of love. I'm so glad. I just, the, the question is this, how many in the world are hurting? How many people are confused? How many people are walking through hell right now? And they're all out there just trying to make it by themselves. But they could be part of a church family. They could be part of the family of God that could help them towards moving forward toward God's very best for their life, toward healing, toward hope, toward restoration, toward these things that we've talked about today. Because God included me in his circle of love, then I need to enlarge my circle of love. As we're getting ready to just close our time here today, I want to play for you this video I came across a few years ago from the late Dr. Fred Rogers. I think he was accepting some kind of recognition or award. This is in 1997, and he makes this speech. And um, just listen to this. Check this out. So many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here, some are far away, some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take along with me 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? 
those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. Whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. difference that outlives you for the glory of God. I want you to invite you to stand up with me today. All these things that we've been talking about, these are, these are Jesus's legacy to us. Jesus included us into his circle of love. We were destined for hell. And God made a way. He came to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us. Fully God, fully human. He lived a life that we were destined to live but could never live without him. It was the life that Adam should have always lived. But sin entered the world we were separated from God and Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he died a selfless death the death that we deserved and telling you Jesus rose from the grave but we didn't deserve to be to, to be risen we deserve hell but because of God's legacy of love he poured out his mercy and his goodness and his faithfulness and he showed us who he is, and he extends to us salvation. And for those of us who say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God and God raised you from the dead, and I give my life to following you, then he does something miraculous. Like when Jesus breathed on the holy or breathed on the disciples and said receive the holy spirit when we make that commitment say jesus we will follow you then his holy spirit comes and lives on the inside of us and regenerates our spirit and no we are no longer slaves to sin and death but we have a new nature we're made the children of god amen what an incredible legacy and that's why we even get to celebrate advent that's why we celebrate Jesus' birth, because of what it meant through his life and his death and his resurrection. And now he sits at the right hand of God and he intercedes for you and me. Thank God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful. Jesus, for sending Jesus, your son, who changed the course of history and he changed the trajectory of all of our lives and we want to leave the kind of legacy Jesus that honors your life and your death and your resurrection as we move through these days of advent leading up to Christmas Lord I just pray that we would feel like the holy joy and anticipation in our hearts as we remember the first advent. But God, we have even a greater joy because you have already come once and we are looking forward to your second coming. And for all of what that means,
help us by the power of your Holy Spirit at work within us and through us to leave a legacy, to make a difference that outlives us for your glory, Jesus, because you are the worthy lamb. You are the worthy lamb. just a moment, we're getting ready to dismiss and my friends on the prayer team are gonna come down front. They're gonna be lined up here across the front. If you have a need for prayer of anything in your life whatsoever, I wanna invite you that as we're being dismissed and people are visiting with one another and they're going to get their kids, you come forward and receive prayer. And if it's healing in your body or if it's you wanna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or if you need prayer for something in your marriage or your business or something with your kids, whatever it is, you need an answer from God, you, you just, you're wrestling with something, let's pray together in faith. Let's come into agreement according to God's word in faith, believing that he hears us, that he's a prayer hearing and answering God. He delights in our prayers. Be sure to take those invitations with you for Christmas letters as well. Give that out to somebody and invite them to come because they need to be changed by the Jesus' legacy too, amen? Amen. I have a benediction for us today. This comes from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter six. And um, this is something... Like, like we did last week, this is something for all of us to pray out loud together. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, help me to not be a hoarder of treasure here on earth where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or even stolen. I want to stockpile treasure in heaven where it's truly safe and will make a difference that outlives me for your glory. For where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. If you need prayer this morning, come forward. Otherwise, go in peace and empower to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com. And on social media, our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.